This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And as you can hear, it's buzzing. It's freezing outside, but it's buzzing and it's warm inside here. I'm in the White Hart in Southwark, in Great Suffolk Street. We've, uh, we've said this before, we've been here quite a few times, but we came here when it's proper spitting sawdust. You went inside there and there was nothing happening, a few people, a few old men sitting outside. All of a sudden, they closed it down. They had a bit of a refurb, and now they come back here. And this place, literally, we were struggling to get in here. We couldn't even get a table. We had to pull all sorts of tricks to get inside here. But I'll say to you, if you're ever in SE1, if you're never near sort of like the South Bank or anything like that, come down to the White Hart in Suffolk. It's a wicked place. We had a lovely little spread here. A few sausages, a bit of nachos, um, and a little bit of the old um, I don't know, I don't know, squid. You know, I went to squiddy, squiddy do. And a bit of venison as well, you know, as well. And I think there's stuff there as well for vegans and vegetarians as well, which we, we might have had a bit of that as well, which is, which is all good. So caters for all places. My name is Billy Grant, and like I said to you, I'm still buzzing because I'm still coming off the back of a three-match weekend, which I'll talk about in just a minute as well. But the last game was Barnet on Monday night. Absolutely teeping tremendous. It was a wicked game. It was it was edge-of-the-seat stuff. At the end of the day, Brentford have lost not another game. In other words, they have not lost another game, which is good for us. So I've got a smile on my face. I'm buzzing. I'm sitting around here with my chums, my buddies, in the white heart in Southwark. And uh, listen, I'm going to go around the table to see if they're buzzing as I am. I've got to the left of me here. Man, I haven't seen him on the pod for a while because he's been all over the place. But he's, he's from another country. He's from the Holland. He's the Dutchman. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Billy. It's good to be back. I've missed the buzz. It certainly is a busy pub. I'm renowned for being quite quiet on the pod, so... I'll do my best to speak up so you can hear what nonsense I'm talking. <laughs> you can hear all sorts of nonsense. Listen, this weekend, well, there was a, there was a, there was a blank Saturday for the Bees, which is very, very rare for us. You know what I'm saying? It's not like the Premier League where they get games moved all the time. I'm just wondering for yourself, what did you get up to at the weekend? i got to admit, Billy, I'm one of those people that when Brentford aren't playing, I'm quite relaxed about not seeing football. Um, possibly something we can talk about later, but you know, I, I do my best probably to catch up with a few things that I can't do with football. Um, like rugby like pretending to go to football getting out of the house for a few hours <laughs> not telling my wife that the game's not on um, uh, no rugby no rugby um, 100% you know, I'm, I'm not going to fall for that one and get wound up by that there was rugby in the vicinity um, Twickenham boys you know the Quins were in town um, and I did have some rugby friends chums back after their game but I stayed at home with Jeff Stelling catching up with what was going on and generally actually quite enjoying the fact there wasn't a game listen that's fair enough each to each to their own as they say as well i've got the hood the robin hood you know mind your backs because he might pick your pocket the robin hood but to be fair he robs from the rich and steals from the poor or the other way around isn't it? he robs from the poor and steals from oh, whatever he robs from the rich gives it back to the poor robin hood 
Yeah, I rob people, yeah. Good to be back, Bill. It's been a bit of a high eight. It's been a while since I was on here. Um, but how, how could I refuse a nice little trip into Southwark for a rodcast to talk about football? That's right. And, and you've even mentioned the fact that this is actually a rodcast because you're there because we've got to do our little piece there before we have to shoot off to the radio station. We've got the Love Sport to do our little piece down there as well. We'll be chatting to Martin Allen a little bit as well, which is going to be very, very good. Um, he's going to talk about the Barnet game, but we'll come back to that in a little bit because this is our production meeting. We like to talk about specific issues here, but the weekend, I mean, you had a free weekend. What did you get up to the Robin Hood? Uh, I have a limitation at the moment, Bill, because I'm one-armed. I'm officially armless um, because of a... Uh, Stealing too much. Uh, because, of a, because of a very unfootballing, football-related injury. Um, so yeah, I spent the week. Um, I spent Saturday wishing Brentford were on, but you know what? Found some other things to do. Um, had a really lovely catch up with um, a good friend of mine, Kat, uh, who's recently come back from uh, taking part in a production in Dublin called Come From Away. It's back. It's now in London theatres. Really looking forward to seeing that. And um, yeah, so it's quite a nice, rela- similar to what Dutchman said. Actually, a nice, relaxed, chilled out Saturday. Lovely. Sounds, 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 sounds great. But listen, we're going to bring another man in who's never been on the podcast, never been on the podcast, never been taking part of any of our things because, well, it's one of the enemy. We got the enemy in today. You, we always used to do that. We always used to drop the enemy every now into one of our podcasts and uh, it was quite good enough. You know, let them sit there, buy them a few beers, let them tell us how their teams are going to get on and then we'll have a good idea as to whether or not we'll be able to beat them or not. We've got with us today Eamon the Rover. Eamon, how are you doing? I'm good, Bill. How are you? I'm not bad. And if you haven't guessed, he's a Blackburn Rovers fan. <laughs> Come on, the Rovers. Yeah, so listen, so Eamon, I mean, listen, we're going to talk a little bit about Rovers. We're going to pop down to the radio studio a little bit later. But I mean, this weekend, we had no game because we were in the FA Cup. But you actually had a game, didn't you? Well, my game this weekend, Bill, was to go and watch um, the mighty Dulwich Hamlet um, playing playing in the, um, in the National League South. So, yeah, I've been... Back in London for about two years now, so I've started to watch Dulwich Hamlet, having lived in Dulwich just before I moved away. So went down to there to uh, watch watch some Dulwich Hamlet, who unfortunately lost, but they played really well. It's the best I've seen them play for quite a while. Um, Sunday wasn't a re- wasn't a recovery hangover day, thankfully. I was um, I'm actually training to run a marathon, so Sunday was a 10k run for me. Which, well, you guys could have enjoyed a nice lie-in. I was out running for. Uh, for 10k on a Sunday to do my marathon training for uh, for April, so I'm running Manchester Marathon in April. So some interesting times for me coming up as well. It's very interesting, and and, and you could stick, you could leave your marathon to yourself, mate. Because we were rather, you know, we'll just chill out there. You can you, you let the aim and take the strain, as they say. And uh, but we wish you luck with that. And myself, like I said, you had a bit of a mad weekend. I had a triple, I had a triple header actually. I had a, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I had three football games on on Saturday. I actually um, I bought some tickets to Tottenham versus uh, well Crystal Palace versus Tottenham. Uh, long story, I'm going to try and the story's down short. Um, my daughter, only ten years old, started to get into football very very recently. Even though she's been going since she's three months old, but she started to really get into it. Told my mum, my mum, mummy, don't tell daddy, but um, you know I really like Brentford. They're really good, but also because of the World Cup and because I went on the pitch with uh, Deli Ali because she was the mascot of one of the England games. I also quite like Tottenham as well, but not as much as Brentford. So, so she went up, spent her pocket money, spent all her pocket money on all these Tottenham posters. She said, "Don't tell Daddy, I can't put them on a wall." So she's put them under a bed, and she's like, "She says I'll just go and I'll just have a look at Deli Ali and Harry Kane because they're all her favourite players." So I thought, okay, fair enough. So my wife told me, I thought, oh no. So I said, I'll do, do. I'll surprise her. So I'll buy a Tottenham ticket for her so she can go see Tottenham. So I bought a ticket for Tottenham 
versus um, Crystal Palace down at Crystal Palace on Saturday. So she didn't know, got all down there, all the way on the train, got down there. And as we got down to sort of um, Norwood Junction, I'm like, hold on a second, this Crystal Palace is a bit rubbish because no one, like, no one seems to go. Obviously not a very popular team at all. Got off the train, got down there, like, oh no! And I looked at my phone and they'd moved it for TV. We forget about this because Brentford don't get games moved for TV. So I turned up Crystal Palace with my daughter. She said, what's the matter, Daddy? She said, where are we going? I oh, know. I said, in the end, I messaged Eamon and said, get him some tickets for the Hamlet. He was there because they had last game. He went to 3,000 fans, knocked out. So he had to get there early. So he was there, got some tickets early so I could get down there. We're going to Dulwich Hamlet. She's like, oh, no, Dulwich Hamlet, oh. So anyway, we went up there, met Eamon on the Saturday. Went back on the Sunday, went to Crystal Palace, was very impressed actually by the old, beyond the, the Holmesdale end. Very noisy, very loud, good game. And then of course on Monday I was at Barnet, so I did a triple header with my daughter. All three games of her, she went to three games in a row, she loved all every single one of them. Had a really great laugh, and the one thing that I hope is that when she went to the top of them, because they lost as well against Palace, she went to them. Crystal Palace have got quite good fans, haven't they? So maybe she might be slightly turned off the Tottenham. So that was part of the plan anyway. But anyway, that was my weekend. But we shall move on just quickly as well. We've got to say this White Hart and Southwark is, uh, as we probably know, is a Fuller's pub as well. And uh, the word had gone around because Fuller's is obviously very heavily linked with Brentford. Friends of the podcast, friends of everybody. Um, great, lovely, lovely, lovely family company. But as you probably heard this week, they've sold to Asai, which is the Japanese beer company, which I actually, it's probably my fault, I was there actually at the brewery, Asai Brewery in, in Tokyo about a year ago. So uh, I had a word with the MD, I said to him, you need to buy this English beer company, and so they did. No, it's not my fault. So anyway, so there's all sorts of stuff going on there, so um, there's a bit of transition, I suppose the question mark is there, because obviously Fuller's, we thought, might have been in tune with Brentford to maybe be further linked up and putting a lot of money into the stadium. And there was obviously a lot, a lot of talks that have been going on, as you can see, and the relationships have been building. So the question is, will the Japanese be as excited about Brentford as the, the current family of Fullers who are there, who obviously know how important Brentford are? And that's going to be a big question. We'll, we'll see. But anyway, we shall move on because we're here in the broadcast. We're in the White Heart and Summit, and this is the production meeting. This is before we go down to the radio station. We like to talk about all sorts of stuff, like, you know. But, um... Got a question. It's, it's interesting because we're going to talk about this just quickly. Amen. I met him. Like I said to you, I actually met him a couple of weeks ago, about about a month ago. Uh, it was at a Hamlet game, just down the road from here at, at Wingate and Finchley. Yeah. And I saw him. He's in his scarf. He started chatting away, and all of a sudden he's like, you know, Hamlet. I'm on Brentford. He's going, oh, I'm Blackburn. So all of a sudden we got the link up there. We had a game coming up quite soon, and I thought that's all good. Now, Amen's moved down to London. He supports Blackburn, he's got the game on Saturday, but he's, he's chosen the local team, which is Dulwich Hamlet. And, you know, there's loads of fans that go down there that I know. I know uh, an Exeter fan, I know, um, I know Charlton fans, I know Millwall fans, I know Palace fans. There's loads of people who sort of kind of affiliate themselves with non-league sides. And it's a good vibe. And also a lot of people that are kind of disenfranchised by football as itself. The Football League, the Premier League, they're oh, fed up with that. So they end up going to non-league games. The question I'm going to ask and just go around there is that, you know, how acceptable is this? Because Saturday, it was a free Saturday. I mean, I chose Saturday to go to Hamlet in the end. I chose the Sunday to go to Tottenham. You know, how acceptable is it to go to other games? And also, how far is it for you to go when you go and lend your support to another team? You know, what are you allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do? You know, can you buy another shirt? You know, can you buy a scarf? Can you buy shares in the club? Can you, you know, how does it go? Dutchman. The answer to most of those questions, Billy, is no. <laughs> um, but I can elaborate slightly. 
Um, I don't think you should be able to support more than two teams once you're over the age of about seven, maybe seven or eight. Um, I get I get relocation. I, I 100% get relocation. I think if you move to a different area, absolutely, you might want to follow the local team. Uh, actually, I even get, I'll wind you up about it, but I even get supported a non-league team with a, a different kind of agenda and a different environment and a different vibe. But I personally struggle very much with the concept of supporting two league teams um, I don't mind going you know going to watch football I love my football I'll go to any game if I'm free and I happily watch a game and I may even take sides just to make the game more interesting um, but to start buying oh mate you're going to be onto half and half scarf skin soon it's not your, your club and your second team scarfs and it's interesting because I was thinking about this half and half scarf thing as well because it is a big joke because it actually makes no sense whatsoever, you know, supporting two teams. But then I just thought about it the other day: is that if you're if you're young, you know, if you're if you're young and and, and it's a celebratory day, sometimes you'll go out and buy a program. But you know, some people will go out and say, look, oh, maybe I might go and buy stuff to celebrate this match. If, say, for example, Brentford have played Manchester United in the FA Cup final. You know, they put it inside a box, and when 20 years later, 30 years later, they say, look, this is the scarf from that match when we played Man United. Do you not think that's fair enough? I'm not a big fan of them, but it started for big games, to be fair, you know. You kind of get the cup final. There was half and half scars for Barnet Brentford, for God's sake, on Monday night. And I'm not joking, we all saw them, so... And that's for the Barnet fans, I think, because it was a big game for them. But, you know, I'd like to talk to anyone who bought one, so... I, I do get it, you know, I've, I've done my collecting in the past and programmes, so... I'm an easy target on that respect. But if you're going to buy a half and half scar for every game you go to, goodness me. Listen, and, and listen, the Robin Hood, I mean, your thoughts on this, you know, how far should you go if you lend your support to another team? I think the concise answer is if you're supporting the game of football. Um, I think, I don't think you should, I, I'm with, completely with Dutchman that you don't really should, I don't think you should have a second team. Um, I lived in Southampton for three years at uni, got, constantly got offers to go to see them play, didn't do it. Uh, I lived in Harrow for two years and constantly got offers to go and see Watford play. Still didn't do it. It's like, there is such a devotion to Brentford for me. But I, ha I must admit, uh, when I was, you know, when I go to other games, I've been to um, a Tottenham game at Wembley before. I've been to, um, <coughs> to non-league games before. And I think if you're supporting the game of football, I think it's brilliant if you go along to, to you know, not, ne not necessarily lend your support to another team, but lend your support to, you know, players and athletes putting themselves, um, you know, through... 90 minutes in order to get a result I think that's really really good I must admit when I was a kid um, I had a soft spot for Arsenal purely because I love the way Dennis Bergkamp played he was one of my favourite players growing up as a kid so that will always that will always stick with me but it always has been Brentford it always will be Brentford um, but I think yeah if you're going to go to a game it should be supporting the game supporting football and you know Dutchman said that you might have to swing your allegiance one way of the fence but I think you know go along and enjoy a game of football why not so listen Eamon I know you might have an interesting view on this because obviously, like I said, you, I met you and yep. uh, you've moved down from, from, from Blackburn. And uh, yeah, and, and, and like I said to you, the Hamlet is one of the teams that you do support, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first and foremost for me, like my first team is Blackburn. I'm, I'm a Blackburn Rovers fan. If anyone asks me who do I support, I'll always say I support Blackburn Rovers. But I will also mention Dulwich Hamlet as well. So I guess for me... Um, Dulwich, I suppose, helped me get um, back interested in football or back into football. So, I, I mean, I so did you stop going to Blackburn? Did you? I did stop going. So when I, when I, um, the last time I lived in London, actually, I had a season ticket at Blackburn. Used to go home and away. I think there was one season. I think I did something like 30 out of the 38 games. 
only missed Wednesday nights at Ewood or something. Um, that was when we had like McCarthy, Santa Cruz, so sort of mid-Premier League years. Then obviously the Venkies take over, it didn't go that well as everyone knows. I kind of got a bit disillusioned, I must be honest, and I, I did stop going to Blackburn. Um, you know, wasn't in the area anymore, moved away, kind of stopped going to football. Then when I moved back to London, I did start, you know, I was like, well, you know, let's go and watch some local football, let's go and watch a local team. People raved about Dulwich Hamlet, it was a good place to go and watch, started watching Dulwich. Dulwich sort of, I guess, got my passion back into football again, actually. Um, and that's kind of where that sprang from, from there. So, you know, for, for me, it was all, it was always about, it's a different kind of feel. Like when I go to Blackburn, obviously, I mean, you know, I guess mostly invested in it, wanting the best for Blackburn, etc. When I go to Dulwich, whilst I'm, in, whilst I'm invested in Dulwich, and obviously they had the promotion last season, um, it, it's kind of about, it's a, it's a whole sort of day thing. It's about meeting your mates, it's having fun. We all kind of support, we all kind of follow Dulwich, even though we're all perhaps support another Premier League team. I mean, the guys I go with support either Chelsea, Tottenham, I'm the Blackburn guy, there's an Arsenal fan in there, you know, or, you know, Billy at Brentford. So we've got other, you know, support other teams. They would be your first team, I guess, but then Dulwich is the team that, you know, you'll follow on a local basis. So that's kind of a, I guess, the, you know, I don't know whether those guys think of it or not, but that, for me, that's the, the second team almost, you know. And is it okay, and this is the question, is it, so for you wearing a scarf and wearing the full Monty, is that, is that fine? I mean, I'll, I've got the scarf, you, you know, you've seen me in the scarf yourself, so I've got the, I've got the scarf colours. I've not got the shirt. Do I think it's all right to wear the shirt? I, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, and I, I, you know, as I say, I'm, I guess I'm invested in it enough to say. But it, you know, if you ask me who I support, I'll always say Blackburn. Then I'll say, but I do watch the Lich Hamlet and go on about the Lich as well. So, but I'll always say Blackburn first. Okay, and just to m- m- while I remember it as well, don't forget that there is a big cup final. It's on Tuesday week, Tuesday the 12th of February. It's the London Senior Cup final, and it's semi-final. Brentford the semi-final. semi-final. Sorry, yeah, it's, a, it's a fight. As far as we're concerned, it's a cup final. Yeah. It's always a couple yeah, of players. Right. Yeah, that's right. And uh, it's the Dulwich Hamlet versus Brentford B as well. I know quite a few B's that want to be going down to this game because quite a few B's at the other one as well. Um, it's 7.45 kickoff. It's £6 to get in, £1 for kids as well. If you go there, like I said to you, if there's an opportunity to go there, no, there's not going to be the usual 3,000 fans that there is normally at Dulwich. But, you know, there might be six or 700, you know, which, which will still be a decent vibe as well. They've got a wicked bar there, trust me. They've got a wicked bar, um, which is just worth seeing at a big standing. You can also, because it's really cold, you can actually the game from from the stand itself it's like watching it in an executive box it's quite good mate I can't go but can you get me a scarf <laughs> well, I don't know mate I could, I could chop up one Redford scarf and a, and a Dulwich scarf and that is the stitch half them half together scarf. Billy, Billy's got his half and half scarf ready for that one that's right, that's right. And for me, I mean, the question, people know, obviously, Brentford home and away, you know, 50 games or 50-odd games the season before, you know, haven't, haven't missed about sort of six games, you know, in the last three or four or five seasons. Yeah, of course I'm there. Um, I've discovered Dulwich through some old university mates, to be quite honest with you, and it is my excuse to go down there when Brentford aren't playing, have a little bit of a laugh. Uh, do I wear the scarf? No, I don't wear the scarf. To be quite honest, when I go down there, I actually bring my Brentford Globe mug and I drink out of it because you're allowed to drink during the game. And you've seen that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people, and as you see people come up to me, and the first thing they say is, Billy, how are Brentford doing? Yeah, that's always the question. All the guys that come up, Billy, how's Brentford? Who are Brentford playing today? How are Brentford doing, etc. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. And like you've introduced me to people as well, and you'll always say that they're, you know, their main team, if you like, in inverted commas, their main team is Charlton, the main team is Palace. There's lots of other fans from other bigger clubs that come and watch Dulwich on a Saturday anyway, yeah. And I think the point is, for me, like I said to you, is when I'm, <laughs> because I love football so much, it's a place that I feel comfortable, I meet some really nice people, but I 
put my flag in the sand where people know I'm a Brentford fan who is there lending my support to that team. And if they win, I'm really happy. But if they lose, I'm, I'm, I'm not nearly as devastated, unfortunately, because as I am doing with Brentford, because the fact is that Brentford are my team, and that's just the way it goes. So it's almost like an ex- another excuse for you to go and watch football and also drink some beers while you're watching the football as well, which is, uh, which is the great thing about going to, to watch non-league football. But listen, we've talked about that, and this is like an interesting... Any, any other... Oh, everyone giving their own opinions on that. Any other views? Yeah, um, I, could, I could never chant a club's name other than Brentford. I could definitely go to the game. I could definitely sort of, you know, be a part of it. But I, I, I just can't fathom the thought of chanting a team, chanting for a team other than Brentford. And you know, may, maybe you go along, you applaud goals, you appreciate the good football. But yeah, just don't. don't I could never chant for another team other than my own. And again, I think that's fair enough. It's really weird because when it comes to non-league, I think because the difference and the gulf is so huge. You know what I'm saying? When you're talking about five, six divisions between them, you know, it's kind of different. I mean, it's interesting because obviously Wimbledon were one of these teams which were so far away, but as soon as they became sort of closer and closer to Brentford, you could see the um, the, the, the animosity between them. They were like, oh, the Brentford, the scum, and this, that, the other. So you're always going to get that. And, and I think this comes down to what you guys were saying before. When you start becoming a bit of a league team, you know, maybe even sort of conference league, like Leighton Orient, they're in the conference, Tranmere and all that lot, you know, those teams were quite close to where we are. So all of a sudden, it's getting a little bit close. It's almost like, you know, you're very far removed when you're three or four or five divisions below the football league. Uh, Yeah, definitely. I mean, you say about chanting there, you're absolutely right, but a lot of the chants are the same. It's just a different name at the end of the chant as well, you know, right? A lot, you know, um, some of of the big Dulwich chants, you know, you replace a... You replace two colours, or well, one colour really, and the name, and then it's the same as Crystal Palace's chant. So, a lot of football chants. You're absolutely right, though. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but uh, the chants are fairly similar anyway. It's true, actually. And, and coming back to that, my daughter said when the homestyle was singing, they were jumping up and down. The first thing my daughter said to me, Why are Crystal Palace singing Dulwich Hamlet songs? You know, I just sort of left it, went, Ah, oh, well, you know, that's how it goes. But anyway, let's move on because just one other thing in the production meeting before we head down to the Love Sports studio. Spygate, it, it created all sorts of problems and we were going to talk about it a couple of weeks ago but we still think it's still sniffing around, it's still around there and the reason why is that Leeds fans, they just won't let it go, they won't let anything go at all, so we thought, tell us something let's talk about this, let's talk about Spygate, let's talk about competitive advantage, let's talk about what people or teams or things might do to get a competitive advantage in football or even out of football, now Spygate very interesting, you know. Basically, a guy from Leeds went down to Derby County, stood outside there. There's all sorts of stories about wire cutters and everything like that, binoculars. And basically, he went down there to try and see what's going on. Derby. Felice put his hand up and said, well, I've done that for every single game so far. Which is interesting because there's nothing wrong with it, but as a sort of gentleman's rule that says maybe you shouldn't be doing that but he's gone, look, there's nothing wrong with it. And it, but what goes to show you is that the lengths that he would go to to get an advantage now as people have turned around and they said you know why did he have to do that because there's so many videos out there you know you know you've got Y scout you've got all these things where you can actually see what's going on why did he feel that he needed to sort of infringe and and, and go that one edge further than anybody else and has it given him a massive advantage now Dutch I'm just going to say to you I mean like Leeds this situation just briefly do you think they went one step beyond or to be quick you think listen that's fair enough he's actually been cleverer than the rest well I think like you say people 
people take advantage all over the place but it's fine margins isn't it you know it's like with athletes and cyclists and swimmers they're going for the you know the nano percentage really and if it makes you know you, you would argue same as i would that you can see anything that you like online with all the research and the stats that are available so it really is going for a micro advantage i can't i've been to a couple of brentford training sessions over the years i learned jack shit i really <laughs> not sure what you'd be able to watch from any training session that i've seen um, I just assume that you and the guys have been going to Dulwich for the last couple of years in preparation for the B teams match in the semi-final. You know, I just assume it's some sort of undercover sting operation that you're feeding back to to the powers that be. But you know, Pete, there's loads of cheese. I was reading last night, um, which I, I missed. I didn't see the football last night. But Liverpool supposedly swept the ice off one end of the pitch in both halves. You know, they just cleaned the pitch, the end of the pitch that they were shooting into uh, in the first and the second half. Which you think, you know, that's that's blatant creating an advantage. You know, is it cheating? But they're deliberately saying this is going to cause us an advantage, and they're doing it. The ball boys drying the ball with the towels when their teams are taking throw-ins. You know, there's there's an acceptance that that sort of stuff goes on, really. And, I, and ball boys not giving the ball back as well. Well, that was quite funny. I thought last night's one was quite funny in the, um, the Spurs game, and we've seen it happen before. But yeah, these these are minor things. You should be good enough to get around that. Um, I'm not sure the Spygate thing did anything really other than embarrass Leeds, particularly with their holier-than-thou attitude that they, you know, that they keep pronouncing on every media forum that we're involved in. I mean, uh, and and uh, we come back to this, and the reason why is that it's been dragged up because, you know, Ollie Watkins uh, as a, a judge to have dived. Uh, we'll talk, discuss this more when we go to the Bluffsport Radio Studio in a bit. But he was a judge to have dived, and uh, he, he went down. And uh, we got a penalty from it, and we scored from the penalty. And he does not to have dived. Sorry, he was a, well, exactly. He was a judge not to have dived. You know, we got the penalty, and we scored from it. And as as a result, we got a draw from the game. Whereas if uh, we didn't get the penalty, there's an, an argument to say that we would have lost that game. So we got a competitive advantage from that situation. Now, I personally believe that it was actually fair. Other people don't feel it or not. The most amazing thing is though that the Leeds fans, the people that are most upset, and not even the Barnet fans, they're like, oh yeah, but the Leeds fans are uh, the, the fans that have. It's taken them five months or four months to die down from the last penalty that we got against them in, in October. This isn't even a penalty against them. This is like a penalty against somebody else, you know what I'm saying? And they're, they're going off on one. And I'm just sort of thinking to myself, hold on a second here. I know people are talking about diving and cheating and all these things, but competitive advantage. Now, is is this enough? I mean, everyone does it. So what do you do? Do you do the whole, do you do the leads thing and say, no, no one else does, we don't do it, so nobody else does? Or how do you deal with that? Um, I think if you start getting too involved in what other clubs are doing, uh, hint, hint, Leeds United fans, and start think, start doing that, you're going to lose focus on what your end goal is. Like there are marginal gains across every single aspect of every single football club, from the way training runs, from what you do on the pitch, to stats analysis, to scouting players. Like there's, there's, there, there are theory, there are marginal gains all across all across um, football. Now with the Watkins dive with or alleged alleged non-dive dive whatever you want to call it. Okay, in the same breath, I don't think it was a foul that um, resulted in a free kick on the um, for Barnett's third goal. Now, so so again, but why? So again, so why? Why? Uh, because I don't, I don't I don't I just I just don't think it, it, I just don't think it was a foul. I think. Football is open to interpretation. Um, the, the the Spygate thing and uh, Leeds spying on um, other teams' training sessions is a marginal gain. 
and there are probably I don't, I don't know I don't, I've, not, I've absolutely no, no idea if it actually goes on but there are probably other teams doing far worse <laughs> this is the whole thing that I'm saying about um, this whole game thing because it's very easy okay this is on television so it's very easy to pick people up right on, 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 on small little incidents like this but if you're not careful you start to open a can of worms and you start to be able to pick up anything at all so at the end of the day you know it, what my argument is that how far do you go with this um, this whole game thing? You go as far as the official governing body of the sport tell you you can't. Okay, Eamon. I mean that's a that's a good that's a good question. So basically, I mean, it's again like like we've been said before. Actually, it's open to interpretation. Look at this, right? Everyone says at the minute that Salah goes down very easily for any little bit of contact. Yesterday, you could say Liverpool potentially had a very stonewall penalty turned down. So again, it's all it's all interpretation. Again, really, it's the appetite of the sport. Now, do you want do you want NFL where you like rule everything and have pause plays? I'm guessing not. So really, you've got to empower. You know, basically support the referees and empower the referees properly to make a proper decision, and or ultimately decide what you want with VAR and how far you want to take VAR. We've already got the we've already got it now. So how far do you want to take VAR? Do you want it for every decision and make it like NFL? Or do you want to keep the game flowing? That's kind of up to the what what the you know use use the technology we've got at this moment in time. I mean, and I think that's all a fair point. I mean, again, this whole Leeds thing it's it's really bad because it comes, you know, this the Spygate thing. Personally, I think was a little bit a little bit distasteful, but you couldn't really knock them for it. What's more to the point is that the fact that the Leeds fans really do get in their high horse about any other any other thing that is going on out there. And this is this is the strange thing which they don't do themselves any favours at all. But listen, you know, the question I was going to ask is that, as we've said, and, and, and Robin hinted on, Dutchman hinted on, you know, you've hinted on, everybody tries to do something, have a little bit of a competitive advantage. Brentford, you know, we've got our stats thing. You know, we're not doing anything wrong there, but we have got, a, a, we're using our advantage there in the knowledge that we have in an area that other people don't do. You know, other players, like, they might have big players in the side and they might be more bullish you know, they might be more aggressive than other teams. We might not like it, but if it's, with, if it's within the rules, that you know, they're able to do that as a competitive advantage. Uh, you know, but there also might be other sort of slightly more, I wouldn't say underhand ways, but different ways that people or teams might go out to try and get an advantage. Do you know um, of any other ways, or have you ever heard of anything um, out there of anybody going out there to try and get a competitive advantage? Um there was one summer about 10 years ago when me and my mate Bez played um, tennis every single day of the every single day of the, uh, of the summer basically and um, uh, he broke his racket and I deliberately gave him the bad racket telling him it was the good one there you go so I, I gained a competitive advantage for myself and of course I beat him every time if you're listening Bez you probably aren't but I'm sorry um, what I would say though is, yeah, but not really. What I would say is, back in, uh, well, I think it was 2007, 2008, uh, when we were in League Two, the Chelsea reserves um, started playing their home games at Griffin Park, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. And I remember the um, guys from Chelsea coming into the dressing rooms and going, hold on a minute, these aren't, these aren't Premiership standard dressing rooms. But they only did up the home dressing room. So, suddenly, the Brentford first team squad have this really swanky, nice dressing room, and the away end was a PE changing room. So that's an example that I can think of of gaining a competitive advantage, but well, well within the laws of um, the game, because you're supposed to make your home ground a hostile environment for away teams. So that's, that, that's an example I'd use of a, of a very good way of gaining a competitive advantage. Amen. 
I mean, that's a really good point. Yeah, can you go on all the you go on all the ground tours? You'll see that in pretty much every single ground. The the home ground is quite sort of the home dressing room is quite sort of palatial um, and everything. In the away, yeah, the away dressing room is is left to ruins. I, I've been to the Crystal Palace one. I did the uh, the ground tour in there, and that's very much that. The um, the away dressing room is really low ceilings. So if you Peter Crouch, you're probably going to have to duck over like Quasimodo to get into the actual away dressing room there at Crystal Palace. Whereas the home dressing room, it's a you know the different types of uh, finishing and everything like that. So that's that's you know yeah that's one that you can very much expect. Personal stories for me, yeah, gain a competitive advantage against my brother. I'd give him I don't know the broken goalkeeper gloves when we when I was playing in goal and he was striker. I'd shorten the goalpost distance etc. So there's always something you do. I mean whatever you like game tape or anything there's there's numerous different ways you can do to gain your competitive advantage you know from whichever method you choose really Dutchman any competitive advantage that you know or maybe personal stories or mates or anything like that <laughs> you caught me on the hot mate I'm just back from the bar as you know you bugger <laughs> um, I use the competitive advantage that we're doing a podcast to get served quicker um, in real life I mean lots of stuff goes on in business doesn't it in terms of winning business on the football pitch I just think it's you know I don't want to say part and parcel of the game because that makes it sound like it's a good thing but you know the handballs the fouls the tugs I don't really see how you can distinguish certain incidents from others um, the, the reason Watkins has escaped most of the abuse and sorry if I've repeated what you just said was because generally people think he probably fell over and he didn't appeal but all throughout that game in particular, just, just look at that one game. There was fouls, there was infringements not given, there was handballs, there was you know, time-wasting. It's very difficult just to pick on one particular instant on a game than, than the others that go on, you know, and that's where it becomes a little bit iffy. Um, in real life, it goes on as well. But It's true, it's true. And there's, there's one little story that I've heard as well. There's a character, I can't reveal the name, it goes back quite a long time as well, probably about sort of... Um, 25, 20, about 25, 25 odd years ago. Um, this character told me a story which made me actually laugh, and he was, uh, he was quite a good mate of a, a player who uh, played for one of the opposition teams for the, for the Bees. And uh, they sat down there and uh, they were talking about a match. We had a massive game, we had a big, big game. I can't outline exactly which game it was, but it was a massive game which we needed to win to take us to the next level. And anyway, this play, he sat down in the pub with him, and this player ended up just his mouth off just started to tell him everything about the players and this and who was uh, and who was injured and everything like that and he was sitting down there thinking you shouldn't be telling me this and he carried on telling him about this and the, and the team and the weaknesses and there's some players injured and who was fighting in the in-house dressing room and everything like that and afterwards the director was like really scratching his head thinking oh, I don't know what to do here because this is massive this could be one of the biggest games that we ever play so I do in the end he actually got on the phone to the manager and he told him everything and said to the manager, Look, you, know, I don't, you don't know me, but I'm just telling you all this information about this team that we're playing at the weekend. And it's, it's going to be brilliant. And uh, this is the score. And he just told them all the information, anything like that. Apparently, the manager just listened and went, thank you very much. Put the phone down. And that was it. And they played them that, that couple of days later. And we absolutely torn to pieces and got through. And then we got to a high level. And his character was very happy, but he also felt a little bit guilty because his mate you know gave him this information but he shouldn't have told it to him but he was a B and he thought he had to so anyway we should move on the competitive advantage so listen just coming back to this like Spygate um, I think the long and the short of it is that going around here 
people kind of have agreed that they would kind of do what they can do to get a competitive advantage. And maybe a case leads to the Spygate thing because they kind of got away with it. But maybe they're getting more flack than most because uh, they also seem, they, 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 they do the old, as you say, my shit don't stink, as my, my, my grandma, your shit don't stink, you know what I'm saying? As my grand used to say, you know what I'm saying? Which basically means that, you know, you, you think that everything is fine and, and, and even your, I don't need to explain it, you know what I'm saying? So they go on like that. So I think that's probably why they get a lot of stink. Any, any, any rounding up notes here from guys? I was going to say also, what Steam competitive advantage seems to be only when it's free. You know, there's there's lots of teams out there getting competitive advantage through financial means, having more money, you know, having better deals, you know, and it, it seems to be the free things that annoy people when people take advantage of something that they can't get. You know, there's we're, we're in a division where there's teams coming down with parachute payments of £100 million when our turnovers, whatever it is these days, £15 million, £60 million a year. Ten. Ten, ten million pounds a year. Um, you know, is that a competitive advantage? I mean, of course it is. It's a commercial advantage. So, you know, people are finding these marginal gains, as you know, as Robin was saying, to make up for that. You know, to compete in that world with teams getting, you know, when Newcastle were down, you know, fifty-five thousand people against us. It was the third largest crowd in Europe that weekend. You know, it's you're finding those ways to catch up and make that up. And, and some of it's okay, some of it isn't. Um, but I do think there's certain things just being picked out for no real reason other than they're a bit high profile you know, it goes on everywhere it absolutely does go on everywhere but listen production meeting has been very 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 good today we prepared ourselves we're going to shoot off to the radio show because we haven't got much time to get in the studio and we're going to be talking all sorts of stuff we're going to be talking to Martin Allen we're going to be talking a little bit more about the Blackburn game Barnet game all sorts of stuff we're going to be going on so it's going to be very very exciting we'll catch you after this little twang when we'll be in love sport with the man Aaron <laughs> Yeah, this is Love Sport Radio with your Brentford fan show. Good evening, welcome uh, to uh, welcome to Transfer Deadline Day. Deadline Day, it's the day of fear for many people, and also it's the day of tumbleweed for a lot of teams as well. Because this 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 transfer window is a bit of a bit of a funny window, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it is. I mean, yeah, you know, it's no, it is a funny window because the fact is that teams only buy players if they really, really need it. So what's happened is it's almost like an enforced transfer window, like you know. But as we go, we've got a month, right? A window's been a month, and to be quite honest with you, how much activity has there really been? We keep on saying this. Why can't the window be five days or four days? Why did it have to be a month? Because there's not really that much that's gone on, is it? Well. Yes and no. There, there has been some deals. There's a lot of speculation. A lot of it is speculation. Let's be fair. A lot of teams who uh, who, who are out there maybe maybe needing some players. Like you know your, your friends down in SW6 who, who definitely need something. Who have been stalling on buying defenders. That's right. And are now trying to buy three at once. That's right. In the space of an hour, it's like extreme reduced to clear shopping. It's very very weird. Um, let me just introduce the the, the squad. Uh, there's even in fact Billy. I'll let you introduce some of your new recruits, pal. That's right. So listen to to the right of me. I've got the man. He's been there before as well. Um, he he robs the rich and, and, and gives it to the poor. Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Yeah, the one-armed Robin Hood as what, well. What, do you fail a medical? Uh, no, it's, it's the most unsporting footballing injury. Um, I ran into a wall. You ran into a wall. Yeah, no, not voluntarily. It was purely because of the. Um, uh, Brexit. The, uh, yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> that exactly that. No, it was, it, was, um, it was commitment to the sport. I ran. I got to the ball. To be fair, missed the shot, but yeah, um, tripped, tripped and tripped and yeah, put my right arm straight into a concrete. It was brilliant. Who else you got, Bill? And we've got the Dutchman as well. Hello. 
Good to be here, my debut on um, this after being here before it opened and started with Billy and Laney. Uh, good to actually make my online debut. Looking forward to it very much. That's good. That's, good. Dance one, yeah. and, yeah, that's and right. I'll tell you what we've done as well today, because we like to do things a little bit different. So what we've done is like, you know, you have this opposition view where you kind of phone all these people and they say, hello, I'm the opposition. But we thought we'd bring the opposition in to the zone with us as well. So we've got the opposition Blackburn Rovers fan, Eamon, in the house. Hi, guys. Come on, the Rovers. Oh, Loney. <laughs> that's right. What's going on here? <laughs> it's a full-blown full takeover. Plenty to talk about. Of course, uh, we're talking about bees versus bees at the high of a 3-3 draw. Cracker of a, an FA Cup time. What's, disappo- what's disappointing, though, what's disappointing, though, is the fact that the TV companies have picked West Brom versus Brighton yeah. over that game as a, as a, as a replay. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's a shambles. Maybe it's telling you something. Probably it's like when you go to the casino and you've, you've won, right? So what they've done is that they've won. They've cashed in and they've won all this money and they think it's not going to happen again so maybe that's what they've done they thought it's not going to happen again but maybe they might be wrong you never know they might be uh, chaps what do you make of that that draw yeah it's staggering really it was even on the front page of the bbc news i've never seen brentford on the on the front page before that's right you know, five reasons why it's the greatest cup tie ever <laughs> oh, should, should we do the replay nah yeah. <laughs> let's get to west brom instead so yeah. um, it's from, from, from a neutral fan point it was it was absolute money like three three great sort of some con- controversy which we'll get into i'm sure in the next um in the next hour but it was just it was just a great game of football classic it was cup a, do you know what it was a great FA Cup weekend exactly yeah from the, if, from the neutral fan if you were sitting down at uh, home with a, with, a, with a beer and a uh, bit of food to watch that for, for Bourne Beat were a match of the day for me pal yeah. oh really oh. yeah and yeah. You've, se- you've seen you've seen the the last the, you know the couple of knockouts as well there with uh, with Wimbledon and then and then with the other games as well like and you're waiting for the, for Barnett just to finish finish off the FA Cup weekend nah. with another knockout obviously not you guys are nah. but you know nah. you, you're waiting for that one so bring them back to the replay Get over to Griffin Park. Let's see see what happens there in the second three, one. Three, you know? three, absolutely top class. And, and what a free kick! You've got to give it to to the uh, to the, um, the the Barnet man. A brilliant free kick because Dan Sparks, you know, with, with a fabulous free kick past Luke Daniels. I know a lot of people are going to say, you know, it was richly deserved. What did you make of the actual game? The, the, the game itself was. I mean, listen, the game itself was really exciting. Even, you know, we, we said it was exciting because it could have gone down there, it could have been a damp squib. You're inside the stadium, it's a tight stadium, it was buzzing, it was busy. Um, so that was good, you know. I mean, that was, listen, you can't, you can't, you can't knock the game, you can't knock the atmosphere. Uh, okay, there was problems with the tickets because Barnett said there weren't any tickets left and they sold tickets at the end of the day and all sorts of stuff, or they gave tickets and that. But that's a different story altogether. So, yeah, the game was great um, and it ebbed and flowed. Bees ahead, Barnet ahead, bees ahead. You know, t- and also the other thing is that again, I watched the replay back about three times afterwards because I had to just make sure that I remembered all the points. And we have to remember that we we didn't sort of tap the post; we smacked the ball against the post three times in that game as well. And if any of those goals had gone in, you know, it could have been a different story to give it, but it wasn't. And so I mean, Barnet still, um, uh, you know, they they, they live the day again. I, I, I want to say as well because obviously because we had a little chat about this beforehand because this you know, every now and again, you know, we do a radio show, we do a podcast but sometimes we merge the two and this is another rodcast so we've been down beforehand in the white heart in uh, just around the corner of the white heart in uh, in, in well Suffolk great isn't it uh, it's great Suffolk state you know so we've been down there as well we've done a little pre-production meeting and we talked about a few little issues we talked about the Bielsa and the, the Spygate issue as well we talked about this game as well we talked about quite a few little issues beforehand and we're going to wrap that into a lovely little rodcast and put it out of pride of west.london tomorrow morning so you love a rodcast don't you oh we love a rodcast I don't even know what a rodcast is a podcast and a radio show merged together you'll find out how, how uh, listen how clever is that you like that it's genius bro. <laughs> absolutely genius Bill's latest moment of absolute genius uh, I tell you it took me years to think of that one <laughs> I, bet, I bet it did uh, of course Brentford have brought in a player today 
Yes, we have. That's right. They, they have. have. And I mean, look, I've, I've read the description. Uh, I mean, Matthew Benham's been quite vocal on social media about Gustav Mogensen. He's heading straight into the B team. That's right. Um, he's the youngest looking 17 year old I've ever seen him off. He looks about 11. Yes. Uh, but apparently, he's a big, strong centre forward with great technical ability, and we're really looking forward to taking him, uh, we'll help him take him to his talent to the next level. And, and the word on the street, he cost a bit of money as well, considering he's gone to the B team, sort of about, you know, about a quarter of a million pounds or something like that and that is you know like i said to you that's kind of kind of money that we were spending on uh first team players not too long ago so in fact that's right i think john egan probably didn't cost much more than that and uh, tarkowski didn't cut, cost much more than that when we bought them so now you know we've got a b team player quarter of a million pounds so uh Brentford must rate him quite highly if uh, if they think that they've brought him in for that kind of money. I think the reason why we're talking about him is because we haven't got any other players to talk about because it doesn't look like we're going to sign anyone. Yeah, it's an interesting concept though, isn't it? Just to you know, buy people just for the B team. Um, I, you know, I still find that quite amazing that you don't buy them for the club, you buy them for the B team. Yeah. And you say they're going to the B team because clearly if they're any good, they'll progress into the first team quickly. So I, I find that quite interesting, that dynamic that you've actually split the two. Um, it puts less pressure though because what's yeah, happened is that a lot of players you know they'll say they've signed for somebody and then after you say how many games have you played for say Blackburn Rovers and you go well actually I've not played any you know I've played a couple of development games you know so I think this is a different scenario where you know exactly where you're going and then you know what you exactly what you need to do to get up to the next level he does look like the mascot that's been picked for the game though at the mo- <laughs> like in, 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 with holding up the scarf <laughs> it, it looks like a young Justin Bieber yeah I wouldn't <laughs> go that far fair enough uh, so I mean it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just, I'll tell you what I think what's interesting is that with this signing is um, someone pointed out earlier is that how, how much younger the B team signings are getting beforehand they would be sort of classed as reserve players but now they're becoming something you know it's a real sort of youth development system that is reaping rewards and I think it's a fantastic signing I'm really looking forward to seeing how he develops and I mean just coming back to the, 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 the Barnet game as well like I said you will talk about that in a bit but also what we've got is I mean you couldn't talk about Barnet we tried to talk to him last week but he, he wasn't about as such but he is around this week Martin Allen we're going to get him on the phone in probably about sort of five or ten minutes or so to get his view on that match that has happened last Monday and also on the match that's happening next Tuesday as well and it should be very interesting to get Martin because obviously he managed Barnet quite a few times but like I just said to you that Barnet game as well the most the, 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 the point which has got everybody going is the penalty that we got which, which, which really did swing that game now like I said to you I was behind the goal and I remember I was looking down and I saw Watkins go take past the defender and then he looked like he actually kind of just sort of tripped over from where I saw it, he sort of kind of tripped over, or he went down. You didn't know where they and then the referee gave, and we went, "Oh, cool, we've got a free, we've got a penalty, got the penalty, scored the penalty." Then after we saw the furore, everyone's going diving, cheat, and especially like I said to you, the Leeds fans—they've been going absolutely mad. I mean, it's not even—they're not even playing, but it's all Leeds fans. If you look online, it's only Leeds fans that are going really mad, and a few Barnet fans as well, going really mad about this penalty, saying how oh, we've cheated. And obviously, Watkins got a penalty up at Leeds when the goalkeeper—if he didn't actually go down—the goalkeeper would have wiped out his legs. So we got this scenario there as well so now like i said to you that point was a key point in the game wasn't it um yeah. dutchman i thought it was quite funny i mean i must admit at the time i thought it was a penalty i was slightly to the right of it and i thought it was a foul didn't think there was any doubt about it and then you start getting the text from the people watching at home going oh dear uh and then you watch it again and i think the reason he hasn't got any retrospective punishment for it is because they're just seeing some doubt about whether he dived or just fell over and he obviously didn't appeal you know he, there was there was no histrionics about it he kind of got up 
Uh, whether you apologise or not, there seems to be some doubt over that. But you know that, that, that that's fine. That's fine. But you get it. Things go against you. Things go for you. That went for us. Um, I, I've got no issue with that. Exactly that summed up very very well, uh, gents. Let's take a pause off the the back of this. Off the back of this, in fact, uh, we're going to be uh, listening to the Barnet and Brentford fans speaking after the game on Monday. Five five eight a.m. Love sport. <laughs> No, I'm all right actually because I've seen a really good game of football. I mean, three all was three all was a fair result. I thought Barnet it was their cup final. They did they did well. I reckon that we'll turn them over at our place in ten days' time or whenever it is. We we weren't on top form. We miss we miss Camo. McEachern in midfield was not the answer. We 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 had two shots, three shots that probably should have gone in on a on a good day would would have gone in. It's a real shame, you know. But I enjoyed a really good game of football in the cold tonight and at least they kept me warm I don't think we played too badly really I don't know what went wrong really but um, yeah we should have won that replay's coming up hopefully we'll smash them at home so yeah I mean, we say we hope we'd smash them at home but listen <laughs> I mean there was a bit of Barnet had a bit of heart there didn't they they did yeah there's a lot of passion with them um Got a bit feisty towards the end, I think, as well. Had a lot of passion with them. Fair play to them. But, uh, yeah, we should be winning them once. Yeah, there's only a few changes. But apart from that, quite a strong team. So, uh, you know, I don't know why we didn't win that, really. There's only a few a few subs away from our first start, uh, normal starting 11. Hey, a, f- a fair play, to be honest with you. I thought it was really thoroughly entertaining. I think we should have edged it. I, 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 obviously, I hope we would have won it. But um, fair play to Barnet. They kept coming back at us. Um, I thought it was all over at 1-0, if I'm honest with you, to turn that round to 2-1. Fair play to them for keep going and going and going. Um, I thought the uh, Sergio Canos 3-2 goal was the one that actually would have clinched it. And I think the scenes um, after he scored were brilliant. I'll always forget. I'll always forget. I'll always remember those. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I think we'll, I think we'll dismantle them back at Griffin Park. I think we're technically a way better team than uh, the fake bees. But uh, yeah, I, I thought as, as, as a cup game, if it was a league game, I'd be really disappointed tonight. A cup game, fair play. Listen, we got the Sweeney in the house, man. Listen, stop, 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 stop. I think. Listen, Sweeney, Barnet. Listen, I'm going to say Barnet played wicked today, mate. You know what I'm saying? Free all. Big game, Brentford today. I mean, what, what are you saying, Sweeney? Uh, th- listen, th- come on, come what on. Come you come saying? On. Listen, Sweeney, what are you saying? Come on, you. <laughs> Sweeney, Sweeney was scared. We got the Sweeney, but the Sweeney was... The Sweeney, Dan Sweeney was scared, but you know what I'm saying? He, I was trying to have a little chat with the Sweeney from the Barnet, but he, he got a little... He's, he's a little bit nervous. He's a little bit shy. Look, it's the first time I've seen Brentford in about four years for polit- political reasons, but... Oh my God, they had everything, didn't they? What a great game of football. What a great advert for the English game. You know, you've got to give them kudos because they, they didn't give up and they kept fighting. And I think, it really, it's a fair result. And we're taking back to our place. I hope we'll turn them over. But, you know, they don't, they've done themselves proud, Barnett. It was a really great game. Uh, I think I was, I was, I just looked at the television and saw the penalty you got. It wasn't a penalty. Absolutely no way. No, I... The Barnet players just never gave up. Brentford, I, mean, I, I was quite surprised because they really were going at it all the time. But it, it's it's strange. Barnet aren't like that in the football in their league. It's when it comes to, to cup games, they just turn it round. It's absolutely incredible. We went to Sheffield United. Took my wife up there for a romantic weekend. I texted her as soon as the uh, draw come up. I said, right, we're off to Sheffield in a few weeks' time. Sorry. Um, Swans in a few weeks time nah so let's wait and see what happens but yeah chairman must be happy um, great great game great game of football 
so yeah let's see what happens in the next round the first few rounds didn't really expect any of this but this came it kept coming it kept coming and it kept fighting back for this one as well so let's see how we get on in a few weeks time with you guys at Owen Griffin Park in 10 days the real bees versus the fake bees we're going to do it of course we are real bees come on you bees Sweeney uh, evaded you I see. He had a brilliant game, so I thought, let me go and have a talk to Ben Sweeney. Um, Dan Sweeney, sorry, not Ben Sweeney, Dan Sweeney. And he said to me, all right, that's great. And then I pulled out the microphone. He's like, oh, no. Said, and literally, it was like Benny Hill. I was like chasing him down the road, and he was like, going, no, mate, you know. So I didn't get an interview with the Sweeney, but I got him to, he said a few words, and that, I suppose that was, that was good enough for me anyway. But um, it, to be fair, again, he had a great game. You know, there's a few, like I said, Barnet players who had, a, who had a great sparks as well. Little sparks, you know, some players are saying, you know, if Brentford were, you know, wanted to get the prize money, for the next round maybe they should just buy them three players and sort of take them out of the next game and then then we'd be alright for the next game but um, obviously that's not going to happen because it looks like it's going to be a very quiet deadline day here and I'm, I'm sort of you know predicting here at sort of 9, 9.30 but um, from, from, from the sniffs that I've heard from the Chinese Gary and all the characters that we know out there it's, it's looking a little bit quiet for the bees obviously Nico Nanaris and we'll talk about a little bit later he's finalised his deal to China so he's gone there as well but coming back to the game like I said to you we talked about Watkins penalty we've decided it wasn't a dive but for the Leeds fans we'll just say it was just to wind them up um, the, the the change of personnel though because obviously we had um, we changed the side up a little bit in this game um, but fair play to Thomas Frank he also kept a very strong side and we've always been talking about this the FA Cup really winds us up that they don't put out a strong side you've seen what's happened to certain teams that have changed their side up you know obviously Leeds United they were focusing on other things and they got beaten but there's lots of teams that have been beaten in this FA Cup because they haven't focused but we've kept a strong team and it goes to show you that if you've got players that play together week in and week out even when the chips are down slightly when you're 2-1 down you come back and you actually kind of get that result I'm just wondering um, Dutch, what was your view on the change of setup out there? Well, I thought it was good. I was delighted that he picked a strong team. You know, I want to take the cup seriously, as you know, and I think particularly with the way the teams are falling out, you know, there's, there's scope there to really get, uh, if you didn't get Swansea away, there's scope there to really kind of get um, a little bit further in this cup. But I think what, what it does show is that how a team is dependent on one or two players. And it, we, we've seen it before with injuries and others. You can play eight or nine of your first team, but sometimes the one or two that you don't play are the ones that hold it together. And it was pretty obvious that, you know, we missed Sawyer's, uh, and Camo for the way they've played in the last few games and you know, absolutely picked a strong side he put uh, McEachran in who's a first teamer anyway and he put the silver in who we all want to see and think he could be great in the future but we really really miss Sawyers and Camo in the middle but yeah I'm not criticising the manager for that I thought he picked a strong team he did the job we should have won it you know as you say we thumped the bar and post a couple of times and yeah, I have no doubt that we'll, that we'll win the replay next week. But I'm, 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 I'm delighted that the club are taking it seriously. I'm delighted that we're going to try and have a go in the cup. Um, and geez, why not? Yeah, why don't we try and get as far as we can? Uh, uh, Robin, I'm going to worry. Aren't you a bit worried that we've let in three goals against the lowest ranked side in the cup, or is this just one of these things that happens? Um, I'd, be, I'd be worried. I'd be worried of the manner in which we conceded the goals was a bit dubious. But I mean, fair credit credit where it's due they scored three to a couple of good team goals um there was uh, that free kick was something absolutely fantastic like it was uh, I, you could you'd have put De Gea or two keepers in there and they wouldn't have saved it it was an absolutely fantastic goal. I'm not too worried about that what I'm worried about is the way in which we look we look really we look like in control in the first half not comfortable but in control and then the second half we kind of let it go that that'd be my worry is that what they call limbs that free kick uh, I've no idea. There was there were some limbs involved, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Should we take a break? Yeah, we should take a Let's break. Let's take a pause. Twenty past nine. This love sport for the fans by the fans. 
Love Sport Radio. Yeah, this is Love Sport Radio 9.23 across the capital on deadline day evening. And, uh, well, it's all sort of kicking off. We'll have uh, James Gray in the building at 9.40 tonight to round things up. Don't forget we're on air until 11 o'clock as well, talking all things transfers. It gives me absolute pleasure now to uh, to welcome back someone who's uh, a friend of the station, friend of the show, of course, has big history of both Barnet and Brentford. Mr. Martin Allen is on the line. How are you, Martin? Yeah, I'm not excited. It's snowing. It started snowing? Yeah. And I know you've just come back from India as well, haven't you? I have indeed, yeah. I've only three weeks away in um, touring India. I'm spending ten days in a, in the jungle in a yoga spa retreat. If that's one thing... I mean, I, look, I didn't expect to see Harry Redknapp in the jungle before Christmas. If someone told me at New Year we'd see Martin Allen in a yoga retreat in the jungle, I'd, I, I'd probably have, well, I mean, I don't know what I would have done, but I would never have believed it, uh, Martin. Um, first and foremost, let's talk about the game on, on, on Monday night. What a cracker. What an advert for the FA Cup. People said the Cup's dead. Evidently, it's still got life in it. Yeah, well, I, I was watching it on um, on, the, on the BBC uh, site with uh, the game at Mumbai Airport on my way back to London, and the scores going from you know the, like it did backwards and forwards, Barnet winning, uh, Brentford winning, unbelievable, unbelievable game. And then when I landed at Heathrow, um, so many people texted me what a brilliant game it was and how good these Barnet players have played. So, looking forward to the replay on Tuesday night. It's going to be a brilliant game. Brilliant London derby. It's going to be. I'll tell you something. Hello, Martin. It's Billy. How are you doing, mate? You good? Hello, Billy. Yeah, it's yeah, good to hear well. from you again, man. Listen, you know, I mean, I mean, we had to get you on because you know Barnet, you know Brentford, um, and you know that that was a, a cracking cup tie you know as, as as one of the guys Gibbo said on the little piece that we had there earlier it was a great advert for the FA Cup the fact is that you know we didn't necessarily go out there thinking we're going to win that game because we actually put out a very strong side normally we play a slightly weakened side you know when we played Eastley a few seasons ago and we played when we came down there um I think Chris Meppen made his his debut on that game as well you remember that game don't you Martin yes yeah, very much so, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. good. And, and you got a great evasion from the Bees fans. It was, you know, the, the game went what it was, but that's not the point. But we played a different side then. But this game, we went out there and we didn't get what we expected. I mean, what is it with Barnet? Because Barnet ain't doing too well in the league. How can they just turn it on the cup like that? Are they young? Uh, new team? Just been relegated from Division 2. Um, most clubs find it very difficult in the first season in the conference or the National League, uh, to uh, to make that transition. Only two teams have been promoted in the very first season from the uh, National League, having come down from Division 2. Peak clubs have got to cut their wage bill and get rid of their best players. They do. They... John Steele done a fantastic job um, getting that uh, into place. And some of those younger players, they're very, very good players. Very good players, Jack Taylor and Wesley Fongook, uh, Efron, uh, Mason Clark. Um, Dan Sweeney's all come in. These these are good players, and of course, uh, Shaq Coulthurst who got the goals. He's yeah. a he's a very good player. 
and uh, it won't be easy for Brentford on Tuesday, that's for sure. Cool, Martin, it's Dutch here, good to speak to you. Um, how, how does the manager take that for them? I mean, is it frustrating as a manager when the team performs you know, kind of above what people expected in a cup game like that? Because us as neutrals watching, or the neutrals, sorry, as a Brentford fan, but the neutrals watching see Barnett play and realise how well they played. You know, as a manager in that position, do you think, why can't we do this every week? You know, how, how do you no, take that into it. the league? They, uh, they will take that into the league. That'll, that comes with time. It just doesn't happen. That's a new team that Barnett have put together. Um, John Steele's brought an awful lot of new players in. They've got a lot of players, that, good players that are still currently injured. Uh, that, that, that group of players that they've got over there, they're still young. And those players, uh, Mason Clark, uh, Jack Taylor, um, Wesley Fong, they were youth players when I was there and we trained them extremely hard to get them ready for these sorts of occasions and the long career that hopefully they'll have. It just doesn't come automatically. It's not just a, a switch. It takes time. And uh, Darren Curry, I think, will do a really good job there as manager yeah, in his first job. And they will play with style. They will play with swagger. And uh, they will go on and do very, very well, I'm sure. Hi, Martin. Robin Hood here. Um, just... Barnett have got um, a hell of a task coming to us, um, I think, uh, in the replay. Uh, as a manager, how did you G up uh, in, in a similar situation? How did you G up Brentford, um, the Brentford squad, uh, when we did the replay against Southampton at Griffin Park? How did you sort of come back from that <laughs> to help G us up? Do you remember those days? I do remember those days. Some of my earliest memories as a Brentford fan. It was fantastic. Oh, I can't believe you're bringing that up now. I ain't going to sleep tonight. <laughs> my sincerest apologies. Oh. Going down away to Southampton was the best, wasn't it? It was brilliant. Oh, yeah. That ranking God, goal. Those... Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah. So oh, how? So how? Hard. So how did you sort of? You know, having got that result, the draw against Southampton, how did you sort of g the players up for the replay? Well, I suppose Mr. Sowery or Sowery, whatever he's called at Chelsea, saying that he can't motivate the players at Chelsea. Um, I've got to tell you, the answer to my question is. I don't think we needed any motivation for that game. <laughs> um, we we met at lunchtime on, I think it was a Tuesday, met at lunchtime at the uh, uh, an airport to hotel down there by Heathrow. Um, had a bit of lunch with the players. They all slept in the afternoon uh, in the hotel, which is unusual for us to do that at the level that we were playing at. <laughs> and then when we got down there, the traffic around the stadium at Griffin no, it's not a stadium the ground at Griffin Park was just amazing the amount of people there was no motivation needed it was a, mm. it was a turn up and let's show them boys let's get stuck into them um, winning 1-0 and then just a few minutes after we'd scored right in front of that dugout area old Eddie Hutchinson had a tackle that. where he should have taken out that Southampton player probably taking a yellow card for it but he missed the tackle. They went through and scored. And, um, you know, the rest, as we as we know, is uh, they went on to play Manchester United. But I really thought we would beat them. Um, I thought we had a better team than them, to be honest. Mm, I agree. Yeah, and <clears throat> Martin, Billy again. Listen, um, I mean, Thomas Frank, as you know, Brentford manager now, but he took over from Dean Smith. Um, he came off a bad run. And he went into a really terrible run, a ter terrible rut. And there's a lot of pressure on him, f probably from more than the fans and from the media. And you know this, when the media turns around and within sort of kind of four, six weeks, they were going, he has to be out on his, you know, he's got to be out. 
but to be fair to Matthew Benham and the club they stuck behind him and he's turned things around now I'm just wondering that kind of pressure that he's been under can you kind of relate to that and do you and also the fact that the club stuck behind him and now he's changed the formation and things on the up can you you know what's your thoughts on that well we see it every day don't we every day there's another manager's under pressure every day uh Mr. Pochettino loses two cup games where he didn't have any of his best players hardly playing at the weekend and he's under pressure. Uh, the week before he was going to Man United and the next week he's going to get the sack from Tottenham. It's uh, unfortunately the manager's life now. If you don't win, uh, they want you out. And you- that's everybody. That's not some people, that's everybody. And then if you win, uh, you're going on to and you're the next best thing. So uh, but don't you think we've taken comes- over from Dean Smith. Mm. We've taken over from Dean. I think that was a really tough job for him to do. And, uh, but they'd have done their research at Brentford. They're very clever people behind the scenes. Um, but it's a long-term job at Brentford. That's not a short-term job. But, and, but, uh, but don't, Martin, don't you think it's a bit knee-jerky at football? Because, I mean, you've been in, and I'm saying all around there, you've been, you're a really experienced manager out there. And sometimes, don't you think, sometimes I need a bit of time to actually stamp my, you know, stamp my footprint on this. But sometimes football just knee-jerks the whole time, which is not good for the game. No, it's not. No, it's not good. It, it's, it's no good for the players. It's no good for the clubs. They just spin it around after six months. Uh, I, I, sometimes I just think it's laughable. Yeah. Some of these people make an awful lot of money. They buy a football club, take over, and if the results aren't right, six, seven games, it's all got to change. Yeah. But uh, as we can see with QPR, with QPR, Steve McLaren earlier in the season, he was uh, they were calling for his head after a few bad performances. They signed some good players. And all of a sudden, QPR are climbing the table and now doing really, really well. So more often than not, it's not being a good or bad manager. It's about having good players. Yeah. So and sometimes you uh, you need a couple of transfer windows or you need good money to, be able to bring those players in. That's right. And um, and with Brentford, with Brentford, they have bought good players in and sold them on, and they've probably funded that new stadium. And uh, they're in a really good position. And uh, I feel the same also about Barnet. They've got some very, very good young players there. And over the last few years, we've managed to sell some good players at Barnet to um, to keep that club going forward in a positive fashion. Yeah, which is good. So, and, and listen, so the big game, we've got a big game on Tuesday. I know you're going to be down at Griffin Park as well. You're back now. And, and like I said to you, it's going to be great for you to see you know two teams that you've been involved in battling it out at Griffin Park it's going to be a good atmosphere you know it's only a tenner to get down there and it's nothing for kids so anyone who's listening just get down to Griffin Park but the question I'm going to say to you is that Brentford we have not lost now since before Christmas and he's changed the formation he's put three at the back try and solidify things a little bit put three at the back and uh, and also like I said a little two-man midfield in there with uh, you know with, with the Cocho and Sawyer's playing in there can you see why Thomas Frank had done that? And do you think that is going to be enough for us to kind of get over the line with Barnet? Well, to be honest with you, I ain't seen uh, Brentford play all season, so I can't really uh, pass good comment um, on, on what he has changed. He has changed it and, uh, and done very well, and the results have been good. I haven't seen enough of them to really pass good comment. But this is the FA Cup. This is different. FA Cup games are totally different and the mindset of those Brentford players will probably be now that they're just going to turn up for victory. Probably similar to what you three are all thinking sitting in that studio. (laughs) This will be a very difficult game for Brentford to win. If their attitude is not quite spot on, 
there's enough talent within those young players at Barnet to cause an upset. And you've got to be very, very careful that the attitude is absolutely 100%. Else if not, it could be a tricky night. Martin, which, which end are you going to stand in, home or away? <laughs> oh, no, I'm never going to answer that. And just one no small way. last question, Martin. You've told us it's going to be difficult. If you were in the dressing room and you were the Brentford players and you needed to say five words to them to get them to win that game, what would they be? <laughs> win, 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 win. <laughs> oh, five words. How am I going to work out five words? Win this football match. Um, Please. Oh, crikey. Attitude, attitude's got to be right. Attitude's got to be right. Okay. That's good. Yeah, that's that's good, mate. You know, like you, bingo. You've won. You've won it. You mate. You know, three, three, three cherries, mate. You've won it. So which is all good. Martin, you gotta, you gotta pop back in here to uh, Love Sport HQ and come, come and see us, pal. Uh, we, yeah, we, 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 we've missed you here, but yeah, we thank you for, uh, for joining us this evening. Yeah, absolutely good, brilliant Martin. to hear your voice. And don't forget, I was, I, was, I saw your cousin Bradley the other week. I did ask him how you were, so don't worry. I never forget. I never forget. Yes, yeah. The love for Martin <laughs> Allen is there. Ask him when you see him. He'll tell you. Yeah, he was asked asking me how Martin was and Brad was like yeah he's good he's good I was like well you know what I can't wait to speak to him and uh, there you go we've had you on tonight so we look forward to having you back in uh, back in the studio back in the building so uh, uh, very very soon Martin Allen there right see you Tuesday Martin nice to speak to you all nice one wicked thank you very much for joining us there Martin Allen uh, a proper proper Brentford and Barnet legend we'll take a break and James Gray will join us next love to do a transfer deadline day with Martin Allen oh it'd be so good just me and him in the studio just be, it'd just be wonderful it'd be wonderful but I've got Matt Ford instead Matt give us some news that's broken just in the last few minutes well the big news is Michi Bashwai he's agreed terms with Crystal Palace he had been linked earlier today with a bunch of Premier League clubs including Tottenham Everton and West Ham Piers' his future immediate future lies in South London it's unclear at this stage whether that would be a permanent or a loan deal um, that news is coming to us at the moment the other deal is Paris Saint-Germain's pursuit of Idrissa Gay from Everton they've had a second bid rejected this bid is £26.1 million it seems Everton are determined to keep hold of their man despite the fact that he has said that he wishes to move to PSG so an interesting one to watch in the uh, final hour or so he's 29 years old he, he was paid uh, well sorry they paid 7.1 million pound from Aston Villa for for Trissi Garner okay. if I was Everton I'd take him 13 do it 13 do it and, I, I, and I'd spend the money on Andrea Gomez yeah absolutely um, I, you know if you've got a player in your squad who doesn't want to be there it makes sense to cash in while you can exactly um, that deal for Michi Batshuayi though wow it, it, it's come out of sort of nowhere Absolutely, and you look at Palace's problems this season, it's been putting the ball in the net consistently. Um, obviously, Christian Benteke, in terms of that move, was very expensive for Palace a couple of years ago. It hasn't quite worked out. Batshuayi, of course, will be determined to prove that he can, can cut it in the Premier League after a very indifferent spell at Chelsea. So that's an interesting one that's come out of left field because, as we say, Everton were the front runners earlier on. West Ham were interested. Tottenham were linked as well, but Chelsea weren't willing to, to let him go on loan. And now Palace have joined the race. Anything else coming in? It's apart from that. It's as you were. I think uh, those are the two main deals in the Premier League at the moment. Nothing in the Football League. 
well, Michael Felivi to AFC Wimbledon of from course, Watford. Yeah. Absolutely big move, that one. That is a massive, massive, massive move for all the Wombles. Uh, Billy Clark's contract at Charlton has been terminated by the club. He's rejoined uh, Bradford City. Um, so, yeah, Charlton, another one leaving at Charlton. It would be interesting to see if they can bring anyone in uh, late doors. But nothing else, nothing from these guys, nothing from Brentford. Not that I know of. Trust me, Tumble League, it's Tumble Brentford, it's going to be chilled. For us, I'm just saying, guys, I don't know, to me, it's been actually quite a good transfer win. Obviously, we lost Chris Meppen, we got 12 million for him, but we'd already sort of kind of, we've we backed up with uh, with our centre-backs as it is. We tried to get centre-back in, we talked about Ethan Pennock from Barnsley. Doesn't look like it's quite happened, a lot of clubs are trying to get too much money this is the window where they try and charge too much money for people obviously we got 12 million so we're not we're not we're not we're not crying but you know it was difficult for us so it looks like and it's still an hour and a bit to go but from the word that we've heard on the street there it's going to be quiet for us and if it stays like this i'm just wondering you you happy that you happy dutchman with yeah, the window yeah. i'm happy i think we knew we we're going to lose somebody and if it was mepham we wish him well you know he's gone with the best of wishes from all of us we've got a massive price as you say it's a selling window really it's an opportunity to to make lots of money for players if you want you know people buy when they're desperate or they need somebody and i think you know we, we take advantage of that pretty much year in year out now we didn't want to see mepham go we wish him well and if we hold on to everybody else i think that's a good window it is indeed and just looking around the league as well i mean it's, it's interesting i don't know if you've been looking at any um transfers and stuff like that as well what's been going around the interesting ones for me i mean obviously um aston villa um interesting tyrone mings as well from bournemouth um they've been looking to get us you know a defender in we were very worried that they might be coming in for barbe or, or rico henry but it looks like they've settled for tyrone mings uh, i remember before when he was in the championship before and yeah whether or not that's going to be sorting out their problems i don't know also i thought it was a really great move for uh, peter crouch's agent he actually sold him to got him to burnley which was just like i mean he can't even get in the stoke team and he had he, he's, he's been transferred to i mean i don't know how that's happened and you've got volks coming up the other way to burn uh, to, to, to Stoke, which is an interesting move there because Stoke City have been seriously underperforming, but obviously they've given their manager. I mean, they've signed quite a few players. Stoke, you know, Scott McKenna for seven million as well. They've signed him. You know, they've got quite a few players, and also um, Nottingham Forest. They've decided to go slightly Brazilian, haven't they? Well, it sounds Brazilian. They've signed Pele. You know, he's quite old though, isn't he? Pele, he's about you know, sort of 70, 80 years old. I don't know if he's <laughs> still got it in him, is it? You know, I don't know. Has he got it in him? Have you yeah. seen him play? He can still keep it up at this age. Of <laughs> 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 Apparently. You've been, you know. you been speaking to his uh, <laughs> Mrs. Pele. That's right. Um, and of course, uh, don't forget they've got Leo Bonatini. I was about to say Leo Bonatini as well from Wolves as well. So, I mean, this is the thing about Forest. Loads of money again. Teams like that, they keep spending, 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 spending. You know, they had enough money to spend in the summer. They keep going. And XG is not even kind of... Forget XG. Yeah. At the end of the day, they'll be in FFP next year. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Very quickly, Mishy Batshuayi looks like it's going to be a loan deal. Forrest have got one more... Uh, sorry, excuse me. Palace have got one more berth uh, to fill with Jordan Ayew's come. Of course, he's on loan from Swansea City. Luca Perry seems like it's going to be a, a loan to permanent deal. So they've got one more they can use. It seems like Mishy Batshuayi will be joining Crystal Palace on loan. Of course, we'll keep you up to date with everything that goes on there. We're on to 11 o'clock. Tonight, this is Love Sport. From Ali to Zaha, we've got it covered. Love Sport Radio.
Right, not really getting an opposition view as such. We're, we're getting like an opposition view in the building. That's right. Because we've got the, uh, we've got, what, what did you, what was he called? Eamon the, Eamon Eamon the Rover. the Rover. Eamon the Rover, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Fresh, fresh from the northwest, you know. That's right. It's, it's bringing some Blackburn feel to the build, to the building, you know, just to uh, enhance this bees podcast a little bit more, you know, with some with some lovely northern tones. Well, you know? we want the, tell you something. Forget the tones. We don't need tones. <laughs> what we need is the knowledge because we need to know what's going down. Because Blackburn Rovers, I mean, you went. Remember, you got relegated couple of seasons ago at Griffin Park we we tried our best to keep you up I was going to say we won that game as well didn't we we won that game we were trying to send Birmingham City or Nottingham Forest down Birmingham City or um, Mark Warburton is at Forest so we were like please please exactly like I was texting one of my friends that day and I was because one of my friends is a Forest fan as well and I was like it'd be nice if we both won and managed to send Birmingham down that would have been the, the dream for everyone really but yeah we it didn't work out like the, the damage was done months before then to be fair but um it was but we're on our way back so as right. as the chant goes we're yeah. on our way back it worked, so we're, it worked uh, out quite well for you because you were you were pretty strong in the division one that season i know got charlton fans and everyone said it was pretty much a two well, it was a three horse race or a two horse race to start with shrewsbury there and then they just dropped off at the end didn't they they, they faded away a bit yeah i mean um us and wigan were i suppose we're always going to be we're always going to be them too and then even shrewsbury didn't get up in the playoffs either did they so it was uh, that's what i'm saying yeah they, they fell away in the end which obviously for us worked out quite well and then with us being mid-table this season, I suppose, and Wigan being in the towards the bottom end of the table as well, we've, we've set ourselves out probably quite well. Considering we've got a reasonably similar squad to the squad that we had when we, you know, when we went down a couple of years ago, I suppose it shows with with Tony Mowbray looking after us now, a bit of a better manager that kind of knows his way around this league a little bit more to to put us in a good position. Um- so what is it, I mean, with Rovers? Because, you know, you've come into the league, you're a little slow to start off with. We played it at the beginning of the season. You got a win. Uh, it's a horrible, horrible game it was. Um, you got a ball lobbed into the air, into the middle, and you scored a goal somehow. But um, at that time, you were going a little bit slowly, but you've picked yourself up a little bit of steam. And uh, it's interestingly, because one of the players have been the key player for you, one of the key players for you, is a player that we were going to buy around about the same time we bought Egan as well. We were looking at a couple of players, if I remember rightly, from Gillingham, who's John Egan from Gillingham and also Bradley Dack. Mm. Um, we decided to leave him at Gillingham for another season. He stayed on there, then he ended up signing for you. And uh, from what I can gather, he's uh, he's he's the man. I absolutely. I mean, he's look. He's been a revelation at us. He was the top top guy last year. I think getting him and Danny Graham to sort of link up well together, um, you know, last season was a was a partnership that worked really well actually. Um, and Dak's been, uh, you know, you, you look you look through the Blackburn team really, and you you know you look at where they're. I suppose I'm going to say it in where where the Premier League quality is, and Dak's definitely one of them players where you're going to pick out and say I think he could do well in the Premier League. Um, and yeah, he's he's been really good. Um, last couple of weeks, probably you know I think he, he got a bit of a knock against Millwall in that game a couple of weeks ago, so he's you know he's he's he's, he's probably struggled a bit, or he's not done anything that you know as such in the last couple of weeks, but. Generally, you'd look through our team, speak to most Rovers fans, they'd be saying if we lost Dak, it'd be a massive loss for us. He's a, he's a big asset in our team. And, and talking about you know your team as well, I mean, you talked about Danny Graham again, and we're talking about back in the days when we were in Division 1 looking to go to the Championship, we were looking to players. Danny Graham was another player that we were well we were linked with at the time. If I remember rightly, he ended up going to Wolves on loan, if I think it was. It didn't work out too well, and he ended up at Sunderland. Um, but again, it's one of those players where, I suppose, looking back on it, you know, Listen, great player, 
for, for you, but I don't think he'd fit into the into the style of football that we're playing. And I think this is what I'm coming on to. We've got two different styles of football. How do you think um, the game's going to go on Saturday with these two different styles? Well, that's. I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, that's the thing. If you want, you know, if you're going to put Danny Graham up there, you, you're probably going to say you've got the guy that can going to hold the ball up and give it off to someone else, like like a um, Bradley Dyke, like an Adam Armstrong who's been playing really well last few weeks as well. He's he's the central sort of guy that you're going. Or, or Joe Nuttall who's done it. You know. We wanted to do that in the last couple of games, um, you know, when Danny Graham was on the bench and Joe, Joe Nussel came in and stuff. So I guess you've got that kind of. I, I, I don't want to go as far as that, but like the old Sunderland thing of the Quinn and the Phillips thing, you know, he's, he's obviously not as tall as, as Quinny, but you know, you hold it up to the big guy. The big guy can lay it off to someone who can, let, you know, bring the other guys into play. Um, Dovetailing, I think, is the technical is, is, term. Is that, the, is that the technical term? We'll, we'll, I'll surrender to that one. Yeah, but. Um, you know how do I how do I see? Well, we we play good football. We 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 you know we're a decent team. We 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 we, we attack quite well from the back. I think we've got. Uh, I always used to enjoy watching Blackburn. You know, with with, with the guys. You know, performing the overlaps from the. Um, you know, from the uh, wing backs or from the, the the defenders' position to to get some crosses in and stuff. So let, let's just see how that goes. I've got we, we've got someone who wants to answer a question. Let's go. Um, just, so talking about the sort of players, we've covered Bradley Dak, we've covered um, <coughs> Danny Graham, and you mentioned Adam Armstrong as well. Uh, a player that you curiously haven't mentioned yet, who's uh, just been named in the uh, team of the month, is uh, Elliot Bennett at right back. Um, from what I know of him, he's, he started out as a winger and then converted to right back. What sort of things is he is he going to bring, and should we be worried about him as, as Brentford fans? We love him, like. We we genuinely do. Energy is uh, the first the first one. Everyone says that as well. But like he's 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 really good. You know, he, he'll he'll bring that drive. He'll bring that passion. You know, Elliot Bennett's one of those guys where when when the game you know when when the game's finished, he's the first one that comes up to the to the fans. You know, especially like the away fans now. You can definitely you can guarantee you'll watch him and he'll come up and he'll be the first one to give the away you know to give the away fans the first bump and to give it to give it the to give it the full beans as you like. You know, he's he's going to bring that sort of thing going on and. Uh, you know, it sounds all cliched words. He's fully committed. He's, he'll bring out the energy. He'll bring, you know, he'll bring everything. And he's he's an asset. He's an asset to any team. To be fair, this is not knocking Blackburn because obviously they've listen. They've got these results. Which I'm thinking absolutely brilliant. If you believe, and we talk a lot about kind of the whole stats side of thing, um, the whole XG. Um, Blackburn are way, way, way overperforming where they should be. So, you know, it's interesting where I think they're they're round about 18th where their performance should be, but their league position oh, right, right. is, you know, round about sort of 8th or 9th, yeah. you know, which basically means that you're, you're creating chances, you're scoring goals, you know, maybe from outside the box, which have hit people and gone in the back, or you might have had a little bit of luck. Now, I'm just wondering, you seeing that game, you know, taking the rose-tinted glasses off, do you think it's going to carry on, or do you think that you've got enough in there to sustain that position i mean totally honest with you i don't think we're ready to go up at the moment i think we've probably got two to three premier league quality players at the minute if i was being honest i mean the millwall game is a good example of that where i think we had a a performance for probably 85 minutes that said nil nil and that's probably about right and then adam armstrong turned changed the game in that one i mean that you know great link up play for the first goal it was a few of them that linked up for the first goal second goal was was it was a quality individual goal by armstrong you know if i go through the team and looking at him we've probably got a couple of premier league quality players but realistically i think we would struggle personally in the premier league if we went up now that's you know that's how i'd see it um i just wanted to ask um so from a blackburn's fans point of view is there anything sort of on the grapevine and uh, in the rumour that you sort of fear about Brentford and the team that we're going to put out? I think 
like you, you guys, you know, you we know you guys play really good football. We we we've had some tough games with you guys over the over the time. I think probably more so. It's probably the, you know. What you what you guys are going to bring a crowd a tight pitch etc you know good fo- good football and stuff like if if we get involved in a good football game I'm actually looking forward to a proper football match to be honest with you rather than I don't want to see the ball up in the air all the time I'd like to see the ball on the ground and that's really where I'd see it so you know I'm looking forward to a good match to be fair and you know do you know guys do I fear anything from you guys probably not but then that's not saying that we're going to smash you because I don't think we will to be fair but you know it, it'll be another tight game. But that's that's you know that's just how we see it. So let's go around the table just quickly. Give us a score prediction, Eamon. Two one Rovers, Dutchman. Nonsense. Two 0 Brentford. Um, it's going to be two one to Brentford. And just to let you know, Neil Malpay, our striker, he does score when he wants, and he will score. We've got strikers like that too. Don't worry. <laughs> two nil to Brentford. I'm, I'm going to say that. I'm going two two. Whoa, Desmond. Balanced, balanced. That's, that's right. So listen, Democratic. just uh, listen. Cheers for that for the opposition view. He's in the studio there and he's given his points of view. Eamon, thank you very much. But we're going to go back because we talked a little bit on the broadcast, Prada West London, seven o'clock on Thursday morning. But we talked about competitive advantage. We talked about Bielsa with the binoculars and the Leeds fans like going, "Oh no, why is everyone not happy with us?" And uh, we were just going around and we had a little few little more thoughts about what teams might do for competitive advantage and uh, like I said we talked about overwatering of the pitch somebody talked about the fact that um, um, Italian clubs leak the hotel details of their rivals to the other fans and then the ultras go down there in the middle of the night and they wake them up so it's actually going to cause all sorts of problems which I thought was a quite a good idea actually maybe we should actually uh, try Hugh, something like Hugh that hordes of people outside the Premier Inn in Brentford <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> that's, right. that's right you got one uh, Robin Sen Hartson down there um, uh, my thing was going to be actually just the should we should we say the environment um, of the, the, the the home stadium and the home fans create um, and yeah having the um, having the home dressing room the home fans the home environment just being that really hostile uh, difficult place to go yeah, there's, there's competitive advantages there, there, and there's cheating isn't there you, you, you take every advantage you can to, to get that result for your team be it the, the crowd the fans the stadium you know the, the style of the pitch that suits your play and stuff and that's gone on for years there's, there's no problem with that at all isn't it Arsenal it's, sabotaging the Spurs team's food at the team hotel that was apparently <laughs> that, did that, that happen lasagna no, it was West Ham it was lasagna getting back in uh, back in 06 Bill thank you that's, for joining us this evening no, that's weird. I appreciate thanks for having us mate. Th- th- thank you to everyone as well I mean it's been a, a full house this evening that's it uh, we've gone back to the pub now for the for finishing of the Rudcast there you go you yeah. guys in, enjoyed that thank you to Martin Allen as well for joining us don't forget we're on for another hour myself and James Gray talking all things transfers until 11 o'clock there you have it it's your Brentford fan Sean Lovesport so that was actually I really enjoyed that that little love sport listen the broadcast is back here mate and I enjoyed that we're back here in the white part in Southwark and tell you what it's properly cold out there and we're just thinking to myself the game might not be on on Saturday so I mean guys it might be like last Saturday where you know like Dutch when you were sitting there with your feet up you know, doing nothing. But you can't be doing that every weekend. Do you have any plans on Saturday if the game is snowed off? Tell me. Adalad, you're home. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that, was my, that, that was my plan B. Um, I haven't thought that far ahead, to be honest with you. Uh, I can probably say that it won't involve going to another football game. Um, but I desperately hope it's on. I love my football on a Saturday. Um, and it definitely throws me out when it's not on. The, 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 the Robin um, pub a few beers eat food go home 
to be honest. That's that's going to be the extent of my weekend. But I have faith in the ground staff. It's not going to be called off. Let's, let's do it. Amen. Well, hopefully the game is still on. But if the game's not on, then it's going to be a big Six Nations weekend for me with the Six Nations starting. And obviously the main game is Ireland-England at, uh, at closing time. So when, when, when it's finished at Brentford and Blackburn, fingers crossed, then it's the Six Nations that starts for Ireland and England. Um, if not, it's going to be a full day in the pub watching the, watching the game before, which is what, Scotland and Italy, um, and then Ireland-England afterwards. So it's going to be, it'll be a double header, and hopefully the rugby survives if the football doesn't. Indeed, indeed. And just for me, um, I'm hoping that the game, if it gets called off, it gets called off where we're in the pub on Saturday, so I can stay in the pub all afternoon. And then I think we might have some plans to go down and see some punky. I've got my mate in a punky reggae plan. They sort of play punk hits of uh, or reggae hits of punk songs as well. So I might go down and see them down in Wimbledon Way on, on Saturday, which, Saturday evening, which would be all good. So that's all good. And also there's a little thing at the Nelson on Saturday with our DJ playing a bit of scar and a bit of soul and everything like that. So if I don't get all the way to Wimbledon, I might stay over at the Nelson. So hopefully they call the game off while I'm in the Brentford zone. But listen, this has been great. I've been sitting here with my chums in the White Hart in Southwark. Oh no, in the White Hart Southwark. I thought, Robin, he's put your hand up there. I thought you wanted to say something. You've been absolutely brilliant. TV tremendous, like I said. Really, really great. Um, like I said, choose Saturday. Fingers crossed there's a game against Blackburn. Tuesday, there's a game against Barnet. There should be tickets available. Go and buy them. Uh, it's going to be a really good cup tie. Like we said to you, we've talked about and we talked ourselves to death. The only thing that we can say now as we sit here uh, in the pub in Southwark is absolutely TV Tremendous is buzzing as we sigh. Come on, you bees! Come on, you bees! Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.